0: And in that embarrassment, it's all about punishment and it's all about, you know, how it's made you feel. And then we become an ineffective leader to our kids in those moments. Welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. So have you ever met someone and just found yourself talking, 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 and you could talk for hours and you realize, wow, if we spent any amount of time together, we would be incredible friends. Or if we lived near each other, we would be such great friends. Well, that's what I experienced in a conversation that I had with Maggie Graham. Maggie was doing a online event for homeschool moms. And she asked if she could interview me for that event. And I did homeschool off and on uh, when my kids were at home. And so I I said, yes, I uh, would be happy to do that. And we just ended up talking about so many things Outside of homeschooling, I mean, just motherhood, parenthood, um, relationship with our kids, learning to let go, uh, just so many uh, valuable topics that we covered in that conversation that it applied to way more than homeschool moms. So after her event was over, I reached out to her and I said, Hey, Maggie our conversation was electric. It was so good. I would love to share it with more moms. Would you be open to allowing me to share the recording with more moms and, and to share it with my audience? And she said, absolutely. So I'm so grateful that Maggie said yes, and that you get to be part of this conversation. So Maggie is a encourager. She is a cheerleader of moms. Uh, Make sure that you check out the show notes so you can learn more about her. I'll have a link to her website um, there as well. Um, But our conversation was so good for moms in all seasons of life. If you're a mom, I believe you will absolutely find this conversation helpful. I hope you enjoy it.
1: Hello and welcome to Equipta to Homeschool. I am so excited that you have joined us here today and you are going to be excited too because we have an amazing guest with us. Jill Savage is here and we are going to be talking about how to break up with perfect. And I don't know if you're like me, but the idea of trying to do it all and be enough and feel like um, you're on a constant like uphill grind sometimes as a homeschooler because we have so many different influences pushing in on us. I know that I I want to do it right and you know whether you have one child or 11 like me or you know whatever you you're gonna feel like you're not sure like you're insecure about whether you're doing enough or if you're doing the right things and if everything is um you know, going to turn out okay. And so I've reached out to Jill and she is going to share with us some amazing wisdom. She has been in the field of encouraging moms for decades. And I'm one of those women who've been encouraged by her her ministry and for, um, for years have just loved so many of the nuggets of wisdom I've received from her. So thank you so much, Jill, for being with us today. Of course.
0: So glad to be here.
1: Yeah, I would love it if you would just share with our audience, those of you you know, who may not know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your journey on what has led you to be such a wonderful minister for moms?
0: Well, sure. You know, I am, um, well, let's see. I live in normal Illinois. And so I've honestly made my life all about helping women understand what is normal in motherhood, what is normal in marriage, what is normal in life. And um, I I really, I love that because I I think that oftentimes we get skewed pictures in our head of what is normal, or we feel so isolated and alone, and we're just sure we're the only one. So um, I launched a ministry uh, about 27 years ago called Hearts at Home, and that existed um, and through 2017. And it was um, through that ministry, um, which we primarily did conferences for moms. And um, but it was through that ministry, I also became an author and a speaker. And um, I absolutely love um, just being able to bring hope and help. Uh, to those that need it. So um, my books started with professionalizing motherhood, which is a book for stay at home moms.
1: That and... changed my life. I didn't read that book, but I did hear a talk on it. And man, I'm telling you the idea of professionalizing motherhood. I mean, don't mean to cut you off, but I just want to really hone in gals. You've got to read her books. They are just so ministry to your spirit and help really like shift your thinking about your approach to how you, you mother and how you run your day and yes. all those things that are really essential for helping Helping us get into a place where we feel successful as a mom but please yes on, sorry.
0: <laughs> no that's fine yeah that message got picked up by focus on the family and so it um it went far and wide way more than what I could have ever imagined <laughs> um but my more recent books are um the no more perfect series um which I'm sure we'll dig into today no more perfect moms no more perfect kids and no more perfect marriages
1: I love that. And, and and you're right. We are. We're going to dive into that because seriously, I really think that perfection and the seeking after perfect. And we, I really believe we, as well as we don't know, we're doing it. I really don't think we do. Okay. I think it's a very sneaky little um, disease that can come in and we get completely um, obsessed. And you know what, I really believe, and you'll probably get into it too, but the The hype of social media culture nowadays, I think is one of the biggest, biggest reasons why we um, struggle more now than we even maybe have in the past with this. So tell us a little bit more about your take on perfection. I know you've used the word perfection infection, which is why, wow, that just, I said disease and it really is exactly that. Can you <laughs> elaborate on that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. I do believe that the perfection infection is even more prevalent than ever now, because, you know, I mean, I think the human condition we tend to compare, but you know, 40 years ago, when you wanted to compare, you were maybe, you know, we used to say trying to keep up with the Joneses. Well, you saw the Joneses at church on Sunday, once a week. Uh Now you see the Joneses every time you log on to Instagram and every time you log on to Facebook or whatever social media you choose to use. And so I'm not anti-social media, I think that it is a great way to connect. And I think that we can learn from each other. But I do think that we have to be really careful because if not, it will feed the perfection infection. So the perfection infection is when we have unrealistic expectations of ourselves and we unfairly compare ourselves to others. Mm-hmm. So what begins to happen is without realizing it, we compare our insides to other people's outsides. And when we do that, we come up with wrong conclusions. So we see, you know, a perfect picture of a family or we see that there's this, um, you know, family's going on a a vacation or whatever that we see that we just are like, oh, I wish that was my life. Mm -hmm. And when we envy, when we wish for something other than what we have, it causes us to be discontent with what we have. And so that begins to fuel uh, discontentment. It fuels disconnection. It feels disillusionment. And it can even fuel depression.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a fast track because depression, people also don't even realize they are depressed once they see mm-hmm. because it's just so easy to operate in this emptiness of you know yes. in this void of vision, the, and I really think that that's part of it too. Because if your vision you've been focusing on others, you're not focusing on what God has for you, you're not right. focusing on where He wants you to go. And really, inspiration, encouragement, joy, and, and fulfillment come from following the Lord's plan for you, not yes. looking to the side and not looking behind. And it's really that keeping up the Joneses also, like you said, of, of that, you know, grass is always greener. Well, we used to see the neighbor's yard, like you said, and and we, you know, maybe we saw them on Sunday and wouldn't have been great if you saw a kid with their hair not combed, you know. But now right. like, we, we, we go and see a social media and we get to put forth the image we want people to see yeah. and not what's really, really going on.
0: No. And so I think one of the best things that we can do, well, number one is that we can start sharing more of our insides. Mm -hmm. So I had um, I had this happen. Uh, I had a crazy fall. And um, when when things get crazy for me, I things get cluttered for me. Um, you know, I just start cause I'm naturally, so I see that there are two types of people in this world as it relates to home organization and there are innies and outies and we're not yes. talking belly buttons. No, I get it. Ennies <laughs> tend to file, outies tend to pile and I'm an Audi naturally. So I, I now my outiness can stress me out. So I've learned some ways to be more organized, um, more, you know, uh, ways to have less piles. But when life gets crazy, I start piling. Mm. And so this had been one of those seasons. And I mean, my bedroom was a mess. I had been back to back, you know, because I was speaking almost every weekend. And so I'd come home, unpack a suitcase, or even half unpack a suitcase, just grab another suitcase. I had clothes everywhere, all over my bedroom. It looked like an explosion, okay, had happened. And I remember standing in the doorway one day and I was like, all right, this weekend I am declaring war on you. Like I said that to my room, you know, because that's like my way of saying, all right, no more. I have to take care of this. And then I had a thought, I'm going to snap a picture and I'm going to put this on Facebook. And so I did, I snapped a picture, I threw it up on Facebook and I said, so here's my current reality. What's yours? And I'm going to tell you, Maggie, that was probably the closest thing to a viral post I have ever had, because what it did is it gave women permission to share their insights. I went first And then they were like, oh, well, if you can show that. And they started snapping pictures and sharing them in the comments. And uh, This is what my kitchen sink looks like. This is what the, the living room looks like. This is what my car looks like. I mean, and it was just reality. And so it was such a beautiful, beautiful opportunity for us to learn that we all struggle with stuff and to be able to feel safe enough that we can share. So I think that we absolutely can go first and we will find that women will usually follow in some way, shape or form. But the second thing that I think that we need to do in those moments is that we have to, um, I often will say to myself, when I have this tendency to compare, and I might be on Instagram or social media, or I might be standing in the grocery store checkout line, right? right? Right. like you know, I'm standing in the grocery store checkout line and the woman in front of me looks like she's got it together more than I do. Or she looks like she's got it together less than I do. I mean, we can compare up and compare down. Let's be honest. When we compare down, it's pride. When we compare up, it becomes insecurity. And so um, in that moment though, I, I need to simply say to myself, she has a backstory I don't know. Or she has pain in her life that I'm not aware of. And in that moment, when we can say that to ourselves, like I said, whether we're scrolling social media or we're standing in the grocery store line or we're in the, the, the church lobby and we keep seeing this woman week after week that we don't know, but we feel like she looks like she's got it together more than we do. And in that moment, when we can say, she has a backstory I don't know, or she has pain in her life, What it does is it pulls us back from the ledge of comparison and it plants us on the firm foundation of reality and it takes away that, that, um, pull of comparing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it can, and it, it helps wash the mystique. It's basically, you know, I'm a real person and every person out there is a real person. and we all have junk and we all have issues and so wow that is it can be so powerful to help us snap out of that in the moment so I love that there's like a trigger question that we could ask ourselves to kind of put that at ease and and give us a new perspective instead of whatever trail we're going down in our mind when it's in that comparisonitis so you know you talked about how the perfection infection is we know that it's prevalent but how does it affect our parenting
0: Mm, Yeah. Well, that's what happens is it doesn't just affect us. You know, we can say, oh, this is my problem. But the, but, but the issue is it actually begins to invade other areas of our life. And so when the, the perfection infection invades our parenting, we now have unrealistic expectations of our kids and we unfairly compare our kids to others. So, you know, that unrealistic expectation, I mean, have you ever said act your age? And then you realize, (laughs) <laughs> they are <laughs> exactly right <laughs> wait a minute they they actually are um and the the whole comparison thing it's like well who are you comparing them to well um it may be uh, a sibling that's easier to parent mm. it may be uh neighbor kids it may be kids at church quite frankly, it may be that imagined child in your head that never has shown up. You were just sure that you were going to get a a little girl that loves ballet as much as you did growing up, Mm -hmm. but you got instead a little girl that wants to be on the soccer field day and night. Mm -hmm. And And so without realizing it, then we are putting additional pressure on our kids to be someone that they aren't to, um, we're putting pressure on them to make us look good, Mm -hmm. to make us feel good. Like you said, you know, um, You said, uh, boy, if if you were lucky, maybe you'd see a child that didn't have their hair brushed. And and I'll tell you what, you know, when I when I talk to moms, one of the things I often say is, you know, you're you're going to have those moments where you're going to get up in the morning and you've got to get out the door. And that's the morning that your four year old is like, I dress myself. (laughs) Yep. And they come down with the most horrendous outfit on. It doesn't match. The pants are too short. You know, they look a hot mess. And then they're like, I did my hair. And like, you know, they've got a piggy tail up here and they've got barrettes over here. And it's just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I'll tell you, when I was a mother with a perfection infection invading my life, I made them change. but. As I began to kick the perfection infection out of my life, I looked at them and went, hey, we got to go somewhere. Let's go. And I put them in the car and yep. we went to Target looking just like that. And and I'll tell you what, probably my biggest joy in that moment was that some other mom would see that and be able to go, oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: I love that. I love that. And you want to make a you want to make sure you take a picture that day because you'll need that for
1: their um, wedding reception sometime. Yeah, yeah, that or their sweet 16, right? Like, there you go. Joke, you know, <laughs> I love that. And it's so true. Like you can walk around and have your kids show their expression. And you have so many ways you can handle that moment. You can either embrace yes. them and be like, you look like a million bucks, you know, or, you know, and, if, and there's probably the pendulum swing all the way from, do you need me to help you with that? <laughs> Would you yes. like a little help? You know, as opposed to, oh my word, change now. Like we're not leaving yes. like that. There's like, well, some and I think, Yes,
0: you're exactly right. There are so many life-giving ways we can learn to respond to that, but probably more than anything, it starts also with us realizing that our child's appearance doesn't define us.
1: That's right.
0: Our God defines us. Exactly. he, He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is not our our child's appearance, our child's behaviors are going to change yesterday, today and tomorrow. Yeah. So we have got to stand on that firm foundation that will not change. That's and when we do, we we provide freedom for our kids to be themselves and to and to grow and learn and and discover this world in a messy way, but we recognize that that doesn't define us.
1: You know, I think We talk a lot about this and I don't know though, how much is getting in, right? That we really take the time to really process that because, and what a gift it is to our family, to our children, to ourselves. When we really wrestle with asking the Lord to show us, how am I doing that? I think we can walk on autopilot and we can be functioning throughout our days and assume that we're doing fine. Oh, no, no. I know my identity is in Christ, you know, but we say that but do, are we living it? Are we really allowing him to be the definer or are we, when we go out, do we sense, you know, I think we just need a few little tips and, you know, tricks to help us identify that emotional well up within us. When that happens, when the thought hits us, like a little wave crashing over us and we start to see our identity shrink into, um, Sometimes pride, but also into that insecurity of feeling like, Oh, like, gosh, I think that's the doing enough feeling. The am yes. I doing enough? You know, in talking to these homeschool moms in particular, where we feel like our children's clothing, like we said, their, their, what they wear, um, their behavior and also their academic status that doesn't define us. That doesn't define whether we're good enough or whether we've showed up as the Lord intended. And right. I think that that's so important in this conversation because we're really blending and we're talking to homeschool mamas too. We're parenting. We can't separate parenting from homeschooling. It's just a blended little road we walk. And um, and so I love what you're saying about identity. And I just really want to challenge and encourage you, moms out there that are listening, to be able to really take some time to meditate on that. Am yes. I operating? And am I really seeking the Lord for my identity? Or do I get shaken up when my child acts up? Do I feel like it's a reflection of me? Do I think I'm failing? Or can we say, oh, they're having an issue right now?
0: Right. And you know, Maggie, one of the things that really helped me is when I began to realize that uh, or began to pay attention to whether I was parenting out of embarrassment. Because if you're parenting out of embarrassment, Mm -hmm. then that's usually like a red flag that, hey, Things are not not looking um, like I really am as solidified in my identity in Christ as I thought that I was. Um, And when we parent out of embarrassment, then we really aren't we're not effectively leading our children.
1: Yeah, and well, let's talk just really quick and give some examples to help a mom see what that looks like. What does is, what is parenting out of embarrassment maybe look like to, to show some examples for that? Can you help us? Yeah, well,
0: tell you one. Um, I'll give you an example. And this was when um, we uh, homeschooled off and on based upon what each child needed. So um, uh, our kids were in and out of, of school um, throughout their uh, entire journey. Um, and this was in junior high. And I got a call. Our son was in school and I got a call from the school principal. And um, and uh, the school principal said, Mrs. Savage, um, are you aware that your son brought a weapon to school? (laughs) I'm like, what? He says, yes, he brought a pocket knife to school. Ah, okay. I know which kid this is. Um, you don't even have to tell me because we had two sons that were in uh, junior high at the same time there, and I was like, "Okay, I know which child it is. I know that that's a problem. I also know he doesn't think of it as a weapon; he thinks of it as a tool. But I understand this is a problem." He said, "Yes, it is a problem. We have zero tolerance for weapons. He is suspended for three days. You need to come home <gasps> and you need to come get him and bring him home." And so I was like, "Oh my goodness!" So of course I, I I'm. I'm Right, yeah. I'm mortified. So I pick it up, and I'll tell you what that day was rough. It was it was rough because I was pretty ticked at him, and I look back on it and go, and when one of my better mothering days, right? And um that night I went out with three friends to dinner, and um, we got together on a regular basis. And I thought to myself as I was driving to to meet them, I'm not going to say a word about this. Like I was just embarrassed. And I must have been feeling really comfortable because halfway through the evening, everybody's like, "Well, catch us up, Jill, on your world and your life and what's happening." And I said, "Well, one of my kids got suspended from school, and I am so proud." You know, as I said sarcastically, and uh, they were like, "Oh, what happened?" And I tell them the story, and the and 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 immediately, the oldest mom there, she was about ten years older than me. Um, I Her name is Holly, and I called her St. Holly because St. Holly has eight kids, two sets of twins in those eight kids. And so St. Holly says, Oh, Jill, we had that happen once. And she tells me the story. And I'm like, Oh you're you're a good mom. And you had that happen once and all of a sudden I'm feeling less alone and I'm feeling less embarrassed. And then there was Mary and Mary who's a peer of mine, same age, kids around the same age and she says, "Oh Jill, we had that happen last semester." And she tells me a story and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and and then there was poor little Julie who's sitting over here. She's a mother of toddlers. Her eyes are as big as baseballs and she's like, <laughs> What am I getting myself into? (laughs) Real life. (laughs) Right, exactly. Now I'll tell you what, I went home that night with a different perspective and I went home and the remaining two days of his uh, being suspended, his suspension, I led him much better because Mm -hmm. I was now mothering him and leading him not out of embarrassment. I was leading him out because I... I had gotten my head on straight and it, it made such a difference. So I think that hopefully that's an example of that moment where you just get terribly embarrassed. And in that embarrassment, it's all about punishment and it's all about, you know, how it's made you feel. And then we become an ineffective leader to our kids in those moments.
1: Absolutely. I love what you just said right there about how we make it about how it made us feel that is such a great red flag. Am I making this about me in any way? Because when we are, when we're making about us, we're, and also we can manipulate our kids in a horrible way in that state. <laughs> that is where emotional manipulation is like born. It's when we try to make our emotions be the parent. Yes. <laughs> that does not yes. give any fruit that's good
0: no it doesn't it doesn't and it's and it's also it begins honestly it begins to plant seeds of resentment in our children towards us right. which is not what we want.
1: No. And as they get older, they get wise. They get very wise to that. I think especially our boys as they grow to, you know, we just add that discernment level and they just go, I'm not going there with you. You know, (laughs) they're just like, you know, you, and, and, and really nobody likes to be guilted. Nobody likes to be guilted. And that is not, God doesn't do that. That is not his example for us, right? His kindness is what leads us to repentance. It is this guilt trip. So no. oh, I just love that. So beautiful. So, yes,
0: um, and, you know, yeah. Maggie, can, can we go touch on one little thing here that I think is important too, especially for homeschooling mamas, yeah. we pour our life, our heart, our soul, our time, our energy into our children. And our hope is to get a certain outcome. Right. And, you know, we really have to continue this process of sorting through making things about us as they get older and they get off on their own. Because I think particularly for us homeschooling moms, this is hard because we've poured so much in and therefore we want to say in our head, well, if I do A and I do B, I will get the outcome of C. And the truth is, if you do A and you do B, you will increase the likelihood of the outcome of C, but it might not no. end up there, especially did, right yeah. away. <laughs> yes. And so it may be that they have to go on their own journey to move from our faith to their own faith. It may be that they need to go on their own journey to um, to to stand as a person of integrity, that we that we trained them to be. Yeah. And if we've raised them in true north, and they go south, they still know true north. So it's been, it's, it's important, and it's valuable. But we have to be really careful, because that's also a place where we can make their outcome about us.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is, that is, I think a huge infection in and of itself of that, uh, the outcome based. I mean, how, how many times have you heard that? Where have you heard that outcome based education, outcome based parenting, think about it. And the lack of true fruit that we really want to see being brought about through that method. And so I think that you said something, I would even go just a tiny further in that. I would say that not only might they need to go through their own journey, they must go through their own journey yes. to own their faith, to own their, their desire of what do they want to do for their life. So this could be as simple as their choices for what they want to do. But through my experience as well, I've graduated six already, and I'm still raising five. And so the Lord has allowed me to learn through that like fire of going, how quickly, Maggie, are you going to step into the state of surrender? Yes. How yes. quickly are you going to embrace surrender and trust that you have followed Christ's mandate and lead in your life as you have homeschooled. And like you said, we pour our souls into our children and, and then lift them high and give them the freedom to choose. That's what Jesus yes. did for us. Yes. We have the freedom to choose. And as we ache, our spirits ache in a, in a in an intimacy with Jesus that I don't know that anyone really can feel until they are ready to stand in that place of of letting their child go. Yes. And make the wrong choice. Yes. And watch them make what you think is the wrong choice, and yet, is it really over? Right. No. Isn't it really over? So, Mama. No. Right. Their story over. is not finished yet. That's right. This is their journey. So when we detach mm-hmm. ourselves, we know we can have that passion and the vision for the outcome. We can be praying. I don't know if you've ever heard stories in the past of that sweet grandma in the church pew who's like been praying for her lost grandchildren or children. And she, they come to Christ the day after she dies. I mean, yes. it, it's like, we. Yes. Them, is the story over? And you know what? Yes. She's rejoicing. And let's step into that state with her where, you know what? She saw it. She knew mm-hmm. they would come. She knew they would return to Christ because that's what faith does. It, it grabs and it brings in what they know we can't see right now. Yes. That's what faith is. Yes. So I just love like the idea that we need to really step into that place of wow. surrender and allowing the Lord to guide and let our children do whatever they need to do to get there.
0: Now, does that mean that
1: we're permissive in our parenting? No, that has nothing to do with it. No. This is a mm-hmm. spiritual like standing. Yes. And, and this is
0: recognizing, especially when they are out, like you said, you've launched six and and I've launched five. And so I'm able to look at that. And, you know, some of my five, they were all raised in a strong Christian home, but they are not all walking with Jesus right now. And so my husband and I are on our knees for them um, and we maintain relationship with them, even though we don't agree with some of their choices because we know their journeys not over yet.
1: That's right. And, and what a beautiful example and a relationship we get to develop to show the love and the acceptance and the openness to process it with them. I mean, when we went through one of our hardest times, um, with one of my older teens, especially my teen boys was watching him make choices that I was not okay with, and we were Mm -hmm. not okay with. And, um, you know, we still, it's interesting, you know, you, you think you've done things right, you know, and then you hit this point where you go, gosh, I never would have thought that I would be going through this. Right. But yes, what was so humbling and beautiful is to go just like your story with being, you know, having that, um, that child be sent home from school. It's like yeah, far be it from us to think it wouldn't. Yes. we yes. really need to stop thinking that we're going to avoid our children doing what they need to do? See, I had made it for a moment about me, but when I really switched it and went, oh, Lord, he needs to do what he needs to do. So how can I serve him in this moment? I get to stand nice. for him and believe that I know who he really is, even though they're searching for their identity. We know who they are. Yes. And so we get to hold that and actually hold that mirror up to them to go see who you are. So whenever I hugged him and I saw him, I mean, I would cry. The one kid who's doing something. It's amazing. He was the comforter. Like I would be able to sit and literally I'd cry and i go, honey, I just, I guess I was so full. Here's one of the things I said, I'm crying in one room and he just caught me one day and he literally cuddled with me. How weird is this? I'm, he's cuddling with me as I'm bawling over his spirit. And I'm mm. telling him, and I, ta- I was able to speak out loud, the things I'm praying over him. And I said, i was so foolish to think that that you that it would be automatic that the love that i have for christ and the reality of who he is in my life would be just transferred to you and it just right. it's so hard to go what do i um i what do i need to do differently how can i how can i share this with you and yet let you be free to make that decision and he just so sweetly just cuddled with me and comforted me and I then love that Yeah. As he grew, he, he really wasn't far from the Lord. He was wrestling Mm -hmm, and I got to wrestle with my own little journey with him Mm -hmm. and to see him turn around. And I, I, I know you love Jesus. I think you just don't know what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And he did, he, he, and, and so he's a sweet daddy of three babies right now. Like he is an amazing man who loves Jesus and loves the Lord. And it's like, it wasn't that long, but to walk through that with him, And go and not let pride get in the way of being that parent that thinks only good parents don't go through that. That's a lie from the pit of hell.
0: Yes, I would agree. Absolutely agree. And when we can get that in our head, then we truly are kicking the perfection infection out of our parenting.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. So, oh my gosh, I know that you also have an amazing passion for marriages. So we've talked about our kids and we talked about school, but, you know, we are a whole family, Lord willing, you know, as those as as a central family, how has this infected our marriages as well? Well, you know, the same
0: thing happens, Maggie, in our marriages is that we have unrealistic expectations of marriage or of our spouse. And then we unfairly compare our marriage or our spouse to others. And so again, it fuels discontentment. It fuels disillusionment. It fuels disconnection. And and so it becomes a really dangerous um, place for us. And so what we have to do is we have to increase our gratitude for what we have, for the the person that we have that we partner in life with. Um, We have to... um, um we have to pull our you know a, again we have to pull back um and say to ourselves you know what their marriage looks pretty perfect on the outside but i am sure that they have struggles just like we do we say the same thing to ourselves from a marriage perspective um you know we but you know what often fuels this too is you know the movies that we watch the romance novels we read the the sitcoms we watch where you know And I'm not anti-romance novels and anti-movies at all. I, But I do have to, in my mind, go, this isn't real. This isn't, it isn't real. And so what happens is we compare our very real life against something that isn't real. Right. And, and that becomes really, really dangerous. So we have to, we have to kick the perfection infection out of our marriage as well so that we can really learn to love our real spouse. We can love our real, um, it's sometimes messy relationship. Um, and, and when things do get super hard to recognize that it's also okay to ask for help. I mean, that's, we need to understand that my husband and I, um, we went through a horrendous time ten years ago. Um, it was very, very dark, and um, my husband had been a pastor for twenty years and uh, left pastoring. And we really underestimated how much his identity was wrapped up in that. And he began a spiral um, that eventually um, uh, he was unfaithful and he left. It was a dark season, dark, dark, dark season, mm-hmm. and um, and so. Um, eventually it took a year, but he came back home. We rebuilt our marriage. I'm so grateful for the strength of it now and that we actually now have turned our pain into God has turned our pain into purpose because we uh, spend a lot of time coaching other marriages, hosting marriage intensives in our home. I'm so grateful for that. Um, but one of the places that when I look back at 10 years ago, when things were a mess is I had to do business with the fact that I had allowed the perfection infection to invade my marriage. Um, I was, I was not, uh, content. I was always wanting to change my husband. So therefore I had a critical spirit. Wow. I would. And so that was a place where I had to go, Oh, this isn't healthy, Jill. You have got to turn this around.
1: Wow. Wow. What a testimony, because I know that, that a lot of women are, and marriages are struggling right now, especially post COVID where people are, you know, talk about the difference between movie life and real life where, in a movie, like you had said, we see vignettes. We see tiny little snippets, and it's always like a social media almost the things you want to see. Or they say a little blowout, but they never explain how someone brought comes to revolu- resolution, how to resolve issues, and yes, it effectively. Nothing of that. It's just like, oh, I wish they were like that. And it's like, oh, like why can't we just like let that be and not even think for a second it would be for us? But now we've had families where, oh. I married you and now I have to see you every day. Like, yes, we haven't had a break
0: from each other and we don't know how to handle all this togetherness. And all of a sudden we're bumping up against each other's imperfect a lot more. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> yes. and so like I have seen so much either growth and strength or we've seen a huge turn with a lot of divorces. And it's just, so I just, I love, I mean, your story is so like heart-wrenching and so beautiful. I, I, can you share, I'm wondering a little bit about what it took, what did you have to be? What did it take for you to be in a place of forgiveness to allow that to be restored? I mean, many people at that situation go, Oh, nope, it's totally, you're right. You have every, every right to, to divorce and never go back and all this. Why, why, why did you choose? To yeah. Stay? You know,
0: that's a really good question. I will say, um, I mean, I was beyond heartbroken, as you can imagine. And um, I was, um, I, I felt sick to my stomach, you know, I mean, just all the emotions. But when I asked God what to do, and I mean, I begged him, Lord, I don't know what to do. You have to show me what to do. I got only one response. And um It was the day after I discovered the infidelity. And I mean, I was laying on the floor in my living room, begging God on my face, what do you want me to do? And the only thing I got, and it wasn't like a voice from heaven, but it was this immediate thought in my mind that I knew wasn't mine. And that was, I want you to love him. And I'm going to tell you what. I got up off the floor and I looked up to heaven and I was like, you have to be kidding me (laughs) because I don't know if you've noticed lately, Lord, but he's not real lovable right now. And God whispered back down to my heart. I don't know if you've noticed, Jill, but sometimes you aren't either. And I'm going to tell you, I experienced some conviction that day. And I was like, Lord, you're right. You love me when I'm unlovable. I don't know how to love like that. I only know how to love when somebody loves you back and I'm not getting loved back right now. And eventually God took me to um, Romans 12, 9 through 21. And that became my marching orders. I read it morning and night. I would take my Bible to bed with me and um, I would read it. And then I would lay it on my husband's pillow, his empty pillow. And then I would get in the morning when I would wake up and open my eyes, I'd see that Bible on the pillow and I'd grab it and I read it again, Romans 12, nine through 21. And um, I just... the Lord took me on a journey of learning to love at a deeper level than I had ever known how to love before. And I got to the place where I was like, you know what, whether my marriage makes it or it doesn't, I needed to learn this. I needed, I need to understand how to love well and how to love someone who's unlovable. Because right now in this season, it's my marriage. It, tomorrow, it may be a, a different situation. It may be a coworker. It may be a child. It may be a mother-in-law. And so I need to know how to do this. And so really that, I will say that carried me. Um, that, was my, that was my job during that time. And I will say that um, it touched Mark's heart deeply. And he will tell you that living with that love that he did not deserve for month after month, after month, after month, eventually played a big part in him making the U-turn to come home and feeling like maybe there was hope.
1: Wow. Oh, that is amazing. I love how God brings us through things. But like, thank you so much for sharing that story, because I really know that there, there are moms out there who are are on the brink like really on the brink and about to make a decision to not ask god what to do and just make a decision on their own of not seeking him and 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 i love that thank you for sharing that i think that that's going to make a huge impact on people's lives and so being vulnerable and and there we go again comes full circle being vulnerable Mm -hmm. and being i'll share first right I'll share first, let's do this, right? That's what we do. And that opens up the door for others to know that they're not alone. Yes, yes. And then that
0: helps to kick the perfection infection out of our culture, not just out of our life, but out of our culture.
1: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Oh, that is awesome. So, you know, I am gonna end with this question too. So something that you've called marriage-centeredness um, can you elaborate on that? What does that mean, and why is it important to us homeschooling moms?
0: Yeah, well, um, I'll tell you what: we experience this challenge in our own marriage, and we see couples making this mistake, and particularly moms often making this mistake, and that is that they are very child-centered, and and you know it's easy to be child-centered when you have a boatload of children. It's easy to be child-centered when you're homeschooling because your world is revolving around everything with these kids. But, um, what happened, what that happens with that is that, um, it, a marriage cannot survive on the back burner, so we've, we, when we're child centered, we put our marriage on the back burner of life. And we're like, you know, a lot of times people are like, you know what, someday it'll just be the two of us and, and we'll be able to focus on us then right now it's about our kids. It's like, no, you won't have a marriage to focus on if that's the way that you're going to operate because marriages have to be invested in not only that, but honestly, our kids need us to be marriage-centered. And they need us to be marriage-centered for several reasons. Number one, we're role models for them for marriage someday, that they need to know that they have to invest intentionally in their marriage. They have to take time for just the two of them. Uh, You know, they have to have date nights. They have to have special communication times. So they need to see that. The second reason is that our kids, in in our kids' world, we are their world. And so if mom and dad are okay, their world is okay. And so when we invest in our marriage, we are providing security for our children. And they need that security that that comes from knowing that mom and dad are okay, and therefore my world is okay. So um, I think it's super important that we pay attention to the places where we are child-centered. We're afraid to leave our kids to go away with our spouse. Um, we, um, you know, we say, "Well, we don't have the time or the money to have date nights." Um, those are all. Those are all messages that fuel child-centeredness. And and they really are dangerous because what happens when we're child-centered is our hearts get pulled apart one little quarter inch at a time in what Mark and I call a slow fade, the slow fade of child-centeredness. Now, there are lots of slow fades in marriage. We talk about that in our No More Perfect Marriages book. But child-centeredness is happening when the marriage needs time, but it doesn't get it. And so our hearts get pulled apart one little quarter inch of a time. And over years, those quarter inches add up until we feel miles apart. So we don't want that slow fade of child-centeredness to happen. We instead want to be marriage centered. And as we're marriage centered, we're actually providing our children with what they need.
1: Yeah, that's, I I agree 100%. It's amazing the difference in the in the children's confidence and the children's <laughs> You know ability to even learn learn at school you know, like if 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 there's strife in the home, there's unsettledness in the children's spirits, whether that's argument between a child and a parent but but especially when it's between mom and dad because mom carries that throughout the whole day, there's this weird independence and things are happening and there's just no unity and so what a beautiful it's so so true and so important and I think we need to take it seriously, not just like believe it like we talked about our identity, not just agree with it, but actually invest in it and actually yes. like take action like on it, not let it be an idea. Yes.
0: yes. And I would say one of the most practical things that we can do is to make an advanced decision about it. So like right now, I want to encourage our listeners that, you know what, right now, within the next week, sit down with your spouse and put A date night on your calendar for the rest of the calendar year, just the the rest of the year, like decide, is it going to be once a month? Is it going to be once a week? Is it going to be once every other week? And then put it on the calendar, make whatever childcare arrangements you need to make and and then you protect it. So what often happens is it doesn't it doesn't happen because we don't take because we're always like, well, oh, we'll go out and then, it you know, a month later and we haven't gone out again. It's like, no, it needs to be put on the calendar ahead of time and then protected and
1: made to happen. I love that. That is awesome. I would say I, I, I'm going I'm to write that challenge in there. I think I might even put that in an email to so you guys <laughs> beforehand. But Yay. um it's, and and, you know. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb. I, the Holy Spirit's telling me to say this out loud. So clearly, this is for this moment. Um, I would say number two, get a lock for your bedroom door. There you go. Yep. I I, I only say that because as you're talking, yep. I realized that I personally had. I, sure, I'm okay with it, but I had a funky little feeling about it. I mean, but but the idea of it being locked. <laughs> It's fine to have it there, but like, do you actually lock it and yeah. have intimacy time with your your spouse? Do you create opportunities to have that? Um, and, and the relationship through the dating and all those things are all going to blend and bring that unity that your children are so more confident because mommy and daddy love each other. It's not they're just together. They actually love each other and they want to spend time together. And I love your examples too about that. We are that, um, that first step example for our children. And we set the precedent of how marriages roll and their expectation of what marriage looks like is going to be based on yours first. You can't yes. avoid it. Yes. Right. So that's, I believe why there's so much like, you know, judgment when kids grow up, they're judging all the time. You know, that's just the way we all are. Right. We look and go, do we want it? Do we not? Do we want that? Do we want something different? And it's a lot harder to create something different than it is to create a copycat of what you saw. Yes, exactly. Yes. Wow, I love this. What a good place to, you know, to wrap up. And I just am so appreciating your time today, Jill. You are such a blessing and you have so much wisdom and encouragement. I just, I love it. And I'm so thrilled that you've given us your time today. Thanks
0: for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have 3 free ebooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org/free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org/podcast. See you next week for another not perfect but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.